podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Zero. It gets a bad rep. Like when people say they have zero interest in something. Well, if you're thinking of buying an electric car this year, you'll find this interesting. Because at Nissan, we see the power of zero. Introducing the Nissan Leaf Power of Zero offer. Buy a brand new 100% electric zero emissions Nissan Leaf and get one year's free servicing, a free home charger, the lowest electric finance offer on the market and great savings on running costs. Now that's the Power of Zero. Find out more at nissan.ie. Hello, one and all, and welcome to episode 60 of the Blood and Mud dot pom, dot pom. No, it's not dot pom. It's the Blood and, <laughs> the blood and Mud dot I mean, you can, com. What is I'm, gonna, I'm now going to Blood and Mud dot pom. I'm yeah. seeing what it is. Go and have a look at Blood and Mud dot pod, that, Be careful how you spell pom. Um, blood yeah. and Mud dot com podcast, the sweary pipe of rugby knowledge. Um, I am Lee oh. Calvert, the editor of Blood and Mud dot com, and he is over there. I'm Josh Gardner, editor of RugbyShirtWatch.com and Frantic Googler. Um, no dice. No dice, nothing blood and mud nothing pod. Damn. No. You can get in that. touch with the pod at Blood and Mud on Twitter, and you can get in touch with, you can have a look at the pod at Blood and Mud, the blog at bloodandmud.com, not pom, bloodandmud.com, and how can people get hold of you, Josh? <laughs> tell them, tell them instantly. Um, well, it's either at, at Josh Gardner or at RugbyShirtWatch on Twitter, or uh, you can go to uh, RugbyShirtWatch.com. Now the fact you're listening, the fact you listen to this suggests to me you know where to find this pod. But let me just tell you anyway, so you can tell your friends. You can find <laughs> it on iTunes. Why not subscribe? You can also yeah, use the the Acast app. Put it on a cafe or something. Just listening to it in ambient background because that's what somebody do, isn't it? They put it in a public space for people to listen to. True, we could do that. Um, we're on iTunes. We're on Acast. You can leave reviews on iTunes, and we've had one this week. A five-star review from Reese Evans. He says, I've been, it's called Like Chatting with Some Mates Down the Pub. Five stars. I've been subscribing to this podcast for a while now and enjoy every episode. I usually listen at the gym and try not to laugh out loud too much, just in case. Unlike all rugby highlight shows that feature mostly ex-players and coaches, it is refreshing to hear a couple of ordinary guys with no vested interest to protect teammates and colleagues. For the, for the vast majority, it is a light-hearted piss take. I'm with you on piss take, <laughs> Reese. I'm not so sure about light-hearted, especially with Josh when he gets going. But uh... <laughs> Yeah, about that. Yeah, and he says, with almost nobody singled out. Yeah. Uh, keep up the good work, <laughs> he says. Oh, thank you, Reese. That's very, very nice of you. If you want to leave us a review and have it read out, you can do that on iTunes, and we will do our best to get hold of you and do that for you. What have we got coming up this week? Well... This week we've got what some, haven't we got coming up? What haven't we got coming up? It's a veritable cornucopia of rugby chit chat and brick and brack. The um we've got the rugby lexicon coming up because we've had somebody on Twitter tell us about that. We've got some news. We've got some players that have been spotted doing boring things because we love that. We will tell you what we learned from the weekend. We of course have got the almighty shit watch update. And we may discuss, depending on how much time, we've got some reality rugby TV. It'll make sense when we get there. And the shit good. Well, maybe it won't, but we'll find out. <laughs> Let's couch that a little bit, yeah. Um, and we've also got, of course, the shit good ratings. Now, next of week, course. you all need to be aware that next week, which is the 10th of April when we're recording, but you'll probably listen on the 11th, is going to be our Lions special. 
Ooh, now, yes. obviously, we're going to be talking about squad selection and all that nonsense, as, as everyone else has to, because we finally have to give in and, and, and fall in line with that. Yes. But much more interesting than that is that we've got a very special Lions guest on, which is Ben Utley, who was a special Lions guest for two reasons. One, he's the son of the Lions legend Roger Utley. Mm-hmm. That's just a bit of a tangential uh, link. But also, he is the director of all those behind-the-scenes Living With Lions tours for the past few tours documentaries. So it'd be really good to have a chat with him. So get your questions in for him if there's anything you've ever wanted to ask him. Like, you know, but try and keep it nice. You know, don't say things like, was Healy really that much of a bell end in real life? Because we're not going to ask him that. <laughs> yeah, we're not getting him on here to be a dickhead to him. No, because... we're not. We're not. Yeah, we've... We do enough of that to each other. It's fine. <laughs> Before we get on to the stuff from the weekend, the big European weekend, um, let's have a little bit of another dip into the rugby lexicon. Now, Adam Reese, long-term Let's. friend and contributor to the pod, got in touch to suggest mm. um, an entry to the rugby lexicon. Those of you who might be quite new to this, a rugby lexicon is where we take terms from the game of rugby and turn them into words we can use in everyday life. So, for example, Adam Reese has sent one in today, and he said, Tandy. The verb to tandy <laughs> to seem in to to appear inexplicably competent at a task only for your flaws to be embarrassingly shown up at a critical moment. For example, when the slight breeze caused the bridge to collapse, it was clear the blind architect had tandied the job right up. I don't know what what you could be referring no, to. No definition, no. not at all close to your heart. There is it, for Steve None, Tandy. Not at all. Not even a tiny bit. And what I do love about Steve Tan is that this week, our old friend Patrick James turned up on Twitter, Josh, <laughs> after not been around for ages. He's been very quiet while Steve Tandy's been doing okay. And yeah. then he's uh, he's appeared out of the woodwork. <laughs> Give him credit. He is absolutely consistent. We're doing shit goods later, but he came on and basically just said, shit, Steve Tandy's continued employment. Patrick, <laughs> one, welcome back. We've missed you. Two. In a while. You know, you are being proven right in the end. Yes. Adam Reese also... Remember last last week, Josh, when I was incredibly excited about this? Only the good die young. My die young jingle. Well, Adam Reese got in touch (laughs) with a suggestion of this, which it has to be said knocks my suggestion in a cocked hat. Die young, ladies and gentlemen. New jingle. That's 100% better. That is. Die Young by Black Sabbath. 1980s Black Sabbath. Which, uh, let's be honest, of our reader, of our listener demographic, Adam Reese is probably the only person that has an encyclopedic knowledge of 80s shite Black Sabbath. Yeah, because I thought most people stopped listening by then. (laughs) Not most people had, but Adam is a man of rare commitment. Oh, that was that was absolutely glorious, though, what he said that to was, me. Thank well, you, Adam, because it was blinding. Genuinely fabulous. So any time Die Young is mentioned, I am going to have to play that jingle. So brace no, yourselves in your headphones. I would be angry with you if you didn't. Yeah, so Die Young. Um, any other songs out there called Die Young? I think Kesha does one, but I might, I don't think I can bring myself to entertain Kesha on this pod. So No, it's probably a little bit... Uh, it's a bit much, isn't it? Let's talk some very quick rugby news. Do you remember, Josh, I don't, cast your mind back to that game of rugby that lasted the best part of two and a half days? 
in Paris. <laughs> I vaguely remember it. Yeah. Yeah. There was a there was a time before that rugby game started, but it's difficult to recall it now. Um, yeah, I remember it being a happier time. Was that just, <laughs> just me? The crushing inevitability of a hundred-minute second-half loss. <laughs> anyway, now obviously there was all the shenanigans about uh, Uni Antonio's replacement. Yes. Uh, finally, it... finally, the the Six Nations Committee have decided that they're going to do something about it. Here is what they have said, an email that came through today. Following its preliminary investigation into the replacements made in the later stages, latter stages of the France versus Wales match on the 18th of March 2017, and in particular the replacement of Uni Antonio by Rabbi Slimani, <laughs> Six Nations Rugby has decided to refer the matter to the Independent Six Nations Untoward Incident Review Group. Then it said, bracket, UIRG, close bracket. <laughs> because obviously it needs a special Yerg. acronym. <laughs> the ERG. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Urug, which sounds like um, a small village in County Roscommon, but um, for review or, or a Mongolian tent. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, oh, something, that, in the yeah. something that middle class people got a Glastonbury in. <laughs> um, Six Nations rugby. In fact, in fact, let me just rewind there. I don't think anybody but middle class people got a Glastonbury now, do they? So I've seen ticket prices now. Six Nations rugby will send the file to the Urg later this week. And it is anticipated that the review process will begin shortly thereafter. Isn't that a Welsh youth group, the Urd? The Urd? Uh, that's Urd. The yeah. Urd, yeah, the Urd, yeah. Uh, anyway, what makes me laugh is that they've quite obviously, obviously made that up. Like two minutes yeah. before they sent the press release, yeah. they've gone, oh shit, well, let's say we we've set it. up this special commission, shall we? <laughs> untoward I love that, though. Is there something so cryptic about the untoward incidents? group or whatever the fuck it's well called. it is actually it's it's quite a common term in health circles serious and untoward okay. serious and untoward incidents sueys as they call them <laughs> honestly it never ends this stuff is that because you might get sueyed <laughs> <laughs> no but i'm going to bring that up in a meeting with the next mention because yeah. i do kind of work <laughs> in that area so um yeah so so there you go. So I don't even know what that means because that's all the statement said. They'll send the file yep. to the URG later this week and the review process will begin shortly after that. Do you think it'll be like that Iraq review? Maybe. I think they might need to expand it though because uh, Rabbi Soleimani came on in the 70-something minute after being subbed off again in the Ospreys game yesterday. Yes, he did. And he kept getting booed, didn't he, every time he, he yes. touched the ball as if it was his fault and his manager sent him back on. Yeah. And then some, they actually, Stad actually sent two previously subbed players back on for players that conveniently had injuries. But yeah, I'm not going to say anything. What I did like is, yeah. you know, the 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 Urg. No, we yes. just said send it to the Urg. Um, Nick yeah. Tailteller got Thanks. in touch. Nick Tailteller got in touch on Twitter at Blood and Mud, and he said. Um, are they calling it that because that's the noise we'll all be making in six months when we get that inconclusive judgment? <laughs> Which <laughs> is probably is, it is not unheard of for rugby administrators to drag something out for so long that then everybody forgets yeah. about it and they brush it under the carpet. It's been is booted it? into the long grass like a Henry mm, Paul Grubber kick circa two thousand and two. Um yeah. So yeah, you're probably right, because when they come out and go, We don't really know what happened, we'll all go, Ugh. <sighs> Yeah, yeah that's like that. be me. Yeah, like that. Mind you, I thought you were just doing your normal sigh then, so I couldn't. I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't well, yeah, it's a, basically a variation on the theme. 
another thing we do sometimes is we ask you out there to let us know if you, uh, in a feature called Player Spotted. Have mm. you spotted any players doing something incredibly dull and nondescript that you think that we definitely should know about? And we want you to write to us and spare no mundane detail in what has happened. Uh, Damn right. Rich Harley got in touch this week. My girlfriend, fellow pod enthusiast Ryan, he says, and I went to take our dogs through what... Before I carry on with this, uh, listener Jen Wasp and her husband got in touch last week. and on, well, not on, They just tweeted on Twitter to say, we're about to just open a bottle of red wine and, and listen to the bloodandmud.com podcast. That's which, almost, you know, which I find really lovely, the idea that people I mean, wine away an evening with us talking this absolute borderline bollocks. Yeah, I mean, it's not what I expected to be our demographic. I'll level with you. It's sort of like that. Well, judging in... by my wife, if I suggested that to her, I would never expect that it would happen because she'd just go, she'd just pull yeah, her no, face. It, it wouldn't like, go down well. I'll listen to you all head. the fucking time. Why the hell should I listen to you come out of a speaker? <laughs> yeah, basically that. And to be honest with you, fair enough. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't no, fault I, I her logic. It's weirdly touching and quite nice that we're. A, a couple's bonding it. Okay, that sounded wrong. <laughs> no, right, okay. Uh, Let's um, stop there. Yeah. Sorry, to go back to Rich Harley then. My girlfriend, fellow pod yeah. enthusiast Ryan, and I mm. went to take our dogs for a walk on Saturdays. It was a glorious day. Indeed, it was. Having parked up in a pub car park near a canal in Bath, I went to the pay and display machine. A chap at a large black Range Rover shouted out of the driver's side window that he put his ticket back in the machine, and I was welcome to it. And guess who it was? Bath, um, large Range Rover. Flatman? David Flatman, yes. <laughs> it's remarkable that I got it from that. Yes, I thanked him that. and looked at the ticket. Oddly, he'd only used about six minutes of it before deciding to move on. Anyway, what a lovely bloke. Indeed. Uh, I'm, I f- firmly believe that people who let other people use unexpired parking tickets are sort of the earth folks. So In Flintshire, where I live, they did the absolute twat trick of making you put your registration number in when you got oh, your ticket, well, so you do couldn't that. do that. They do that in the centre of Bath and also But what makes me laugh is, is a dick, dick to park in towns in Flintshire at that time cost 20 pence. <laughs> and they made you put your registration in. Okay, yeah, that is a bit over That's a Labour administration for you, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> that that is some unnecessary labour full stop. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. Also, Matt Norman got in touch, uh, who's a very old friend of the pod, my side of the pod, uh, also, also known as Ed, who I played rugby with in Cardiff. Hello, Matt, have you listening? He said, I once served an orange and soda to Ian Evans, and he was very polite. I, I wouldn't expect anything less, to be quite honest. With you. I once had a row with Ian Evans about the Welsh scrum in a hospitality <laughs> tent, and he walked. <laughs> I was drunk and he walked away from me. Which, you know, That's to this day, I can't That's believe it. the way that you know you've won the argument, <laughs> yes. isn't it? It was at the European Cup final in 2011. Oh, it I was, was there. After that game, I was in Heineken Hospitality because I got taken there for some fucking reason because of the pod, I think. Because of the blog as it was then. I think it was when a lot of um, companies were thinking that bloggers like me were influencers. Yes. Even though we only actually had about 3,000 people a month reading it, it was an influential voice. They don't pay yes. attention to that anymore. That's all gone. But basically, so I got invited to this, and I was completely pissed having been on free Heineken all day and had a row with Ian Evans. And he See, kind of... I, I was looking into the darkest reaches of my soul because I attended that game as part of my stag weekend. And yes. uh, that was that was day two. 
<laughs> you so, and you uh, always go too big on day one, don't you? Yeah, you day, always well, go I was too kind of big forced to one. go too big on day one, and day two I refused to drink anything until midway through the second half, and then was not very good. I went on a stag do in York once, and we went and that with that classic thing. We went massive on the Friday night, and then we had fucking paintballing on the, the Saturday, which nobody like wanted almost, to do. Obviously, it, it's remarkable how often that happens. It's almost like men are not allowed really trustworthy in large groups. No, and then we went to this paintballing. We were being guided around by one of those like professional paintballer types. Oh, I hate those guys. He was in Yorkshire, and he was like this little Yorkshireman, and he had like a special helmet and all gear they on. All, they he thought he was that bloke from they? Halo, whatever he's called. He looked like him. <laughs> and, and after about two games, I said, I am going to fucking go and sleep in the car. <laughs> and he was like, what? You, what, you're going? You're not stopping? I was like, no. God, we've got loads of good games cut up. I was like, you really haven't. I'm going to sleep in the car. <laughs> Goodbye. It's all basically variations on this theme. Isn't it? <laughs> yes. We run into the middle. There's a thing. Yeah, we have to grab possible. something and run back. Some kind of yeah. flag. Don't shoot at people's faces. Yeah, Which it's... is the most fun part anyway. I've seen Biker Grove. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't shoot at each other in between games. Yeah, that's not really going to work. Oh. A lot of pissed up lads, is it? Anyway, yeah, let's move us on. Of, this kind of chat. It's this kind of digression. Parking <laughs> do not get on other rugby. You podcasts. just simply don't get this kind of you know this kind of chat. This kind of insightful cross genre chat on other rugby podcasts, which is probably why people listen to other rugby podcasts. I'll be honest, but never mind. Could say that. Frankly, I say never change. We're not changing. Josh is going to continue saying like. I'm going to continue digressing too much. And that's the end of it. Yeah, I'm probably also going to say exactly a lot as well. because. (laughs) Yes. Um, Right, anyway, so that's the end of the pre... That's the end of the incredibly long preamble (laughs) into the fact that let's talk about the European weekend. What timestamp we're at this point now. I'll tell you what timestamp we're at at this point. 17 minutes. And we wonder why... (laughs) The guy who does driving mall on Twitter, I forget Paul mm. is his name, isn't it? He came back saying, yeah. "Please keep aiming for our lads, because imagine if you didn't aim for that, we'd be we'd be still be talking three and a half hours later, wouldn't we?" <laughs> yeah, no, that is a fair point. Maybe if we aimed for like half an hour, no, that's not good. No, I think anyway. we anyway. No, I'm not going to say any more. Let's move on to the European weekend, shall we? Now, remember, we yes, do we do this like... we do this format now where we say what we learned from the weekend. I didn't see every game. I have to be honest. I didn't see every game. I saw bits no, of some, and I saw all of some of them. Um, so, what did I learn for the weekend? Um, I learned. Bear with me on this, right? You know, when you go out for, okay. when you when you go out for a drink, and some yeah. people some people have a drink they always have, don't they? Yes. There's a drink. You know, I'm a Guinness man. I'm not, mm-hmm. but I'm saying that's what people would say. I am a Guinness yes. man, for example. Then some days, maybe when the weather's a bit hot, they might say, you know what, I'm going to have a bitter top because it's a bit warm and I fancy something refreshing, right? Yes. Well, I learned that basically that's what Wasps did this weekend, but their their Guinness that they're not drinking was keeping possession of the ball because basically they <laughs> yeah, decided they that were... it was far too hot at the weekend and they needed a bit of a refreshing change and they decided mm. to never, ever, ever have the ball because the myriad yes. ways they found... To spunk possession away in that game against Leinster was it, spectacular. It was like it was like the ball was made of angry bees, wasn't it? It was it, unbelievable. It was, they were. It's 
it was impressive how shite they were, given how good they are. I mean, in many ways, like, it kind of rammed... I don't want to sound like I'm fucking Nostra fucking Darmus here or whatever, but when I said last week that I was unconvinced by Wasp's ability to mix it with the big boys, pack-wise, yeah. I think this is kind of what I meant. Yes. Um, because they just got... They got they're built to blow away inferior teams, and I just don't think they've got the physicality or the edge to really come out on top when it's a win-or-go-home situation. And there's just... and. Cipriani gives no particular sensible shape platform, does he? If, you, if you're not having, even, if you're having a bad a time bit. of it up front, he's not going to put you in the right position on the field to try and get yourself out of it. Weirdly, I'm surprised Gopeth isn't saying out the way. You know, I'll well, go in first. Kind of what for I a was bit. thinking watching it. It's like, why has somebody not gone? We've got quite a few decent twelves on that pitch, lads, in ver- playing in various positions. How about we shift? the bloke who can actually do the job here to 10 and give Mr. Cipriani the fucking coat hook. But yeah, it was, it was just, I, I'll never tell you what, I'll tell you what I learned this weekend. Go. And that is beware Leinster when they've got a fucking point to prove, because that for me was the other side of the coin, because if wasps don't have a pack and a, an edge that's, you know, suited to, Knockout rugby, um, Leinster have depth for days, and um, probably the best, maybe the either the best or the second best pack in Europe, I'd say. And now remember what did... happened last time he said something like this. I Leinster know, fans listening will them, not be very they thankful. Are monstrous, and yes, it they just are. felt like them proving a point to anyone who said that, like last season, how many myriad column inches were written, talking about how the days of. Irish teams mixing it up in the Champions Cup was over and, you know, the decline of Leinster, the decline of the Pro 12 in general, you know, and specifically, you know, that 51-10 humiliation at the RDS last year. Mm. You know, they they felt 32-17, I'll be honest, flattered Wasps because... Oh, hugely. They should have been well out. They should have been out of sight in the first half, Leinster. And, yeah, that 15-minute sort of period of purple patchiness that they mm. had where they scored a couple of tries like was fair enough but Leinster were dominant in every facet of the game in the first half, half certainly and, and particularly at the end and I mean god they even allowed the strong the slowest winger on the planet to pop up and score one at the age of 108 or whatever he since they were is now um, yeah you've got to think you know for all Dar Young's improvement that he's made to wasps you've got to think that he's got to look at that squad and think i need to stop buying ridiculously talented outside backs and maybe you know you can have the fucking 71 lions back line out there if you want but if you don't have a pack to mix it up in a proper who, who said that about the pack back, sorry hey who said that about the pack who said what me you just said somebody said something about the pack who was it i'm confused i me yeah, you were saying that, but you said that somebody said this about the pack. Doesn't matter. Okay, I've totally. I'm desperately trying to get to say Dai Young something like that. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> See, now I'll know. Now I'll know. Yeah. I've been who was it who said that then? And then I'll I think it's Dai Young who said it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm, 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 it's, too, it's gone now. It's, too, it's gone too no. far now. Dai yeah. Young t- needs to take a look at the pack. 
that was it. And... I take to take a look at the pack. Sorry, I, yes. I missed the first bit of what you said. Well, this is what happens when you prioritize. This <laughs> what happens when you're too busy looking at your soundboard. Frankly. Yeah. Yes. Um, um, yeah. yeah. They 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 can't keep. You know, it's all well and good having Curtly Beale and Willie Larue, and you know every other. It's it's not all very player. well having Willie Larue, but we'll come on to that later. <laughs> we will come on to that, but. Yeah, you know, they they need some fucking hard bastards. They let, you know, things like letting Bradley Davis go seem stupid now. That does seem weird what, because... See what you like about Bradley Davis. He will not allow himself to be walked over. And which, he's got a like, fair chunk of experience. Yeah, he's a quality player. And, you know, the Ospreys miss him massively now that he's injured. But, like, yeah, he he, he relishes that kind of physical encounter and you know aside from Launchbury there's not really an Haskell to an extent you know there's not really many players in that pack that you could honestly look at and say that they're quality operators that really relish a physical battle no it's a problem even yeah. like quite classy operators like Tommy Taylor are still not that kind of player are they I think no if, they're not and a lot of the backup kind of players are decent and but i think some of them are quite young and they're not really they're probably a little few years away from being that maybe yeah i think they definitely are speaking of speaking of that game something else i learned Mm. was that i i i want to know where the original bodies of jimmy gotheth and devin toner are because (laughs) whoever it is that's playing is not them did you see gotheth try it was absurd, wasn't when it? When he stepped it, about two different ways okay. and then spun and scored. And Toner was like playing at first receiver about for about 20 minutes of the game in total. But he's got an even... He's developed an even more severe haircut. He has. He looks like Boris of... Karloff now. Yeah. The original <laughs> Frankenstein. Original accountant to sort of, yeah, weird, like, android. <laughs> Hills have eyes like type setup. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, yeah, they, they both... The transformation in the pair of them, you know, Leicester fans must be looking at Jimmy Gopeth and partly thinking, "Why the fuck were you not this good when you played for us at any point?" He was never a bad player, was he? He was just no, very, was very run of the mill, and then all of a sudden he's like pacey and stepping. And but I suppose he's one of them. Maybe does he does what he's asked to do? You play at ten, you do this, Jimmy, and off he goes. And then you know he goes at twelve, and they say, "Do a bit, do some other stuff." He goes, "All right then." Yeah, I'll, I'll, I've got every. You know, could it be that he's one of the most criminally underrated players of our generation? We never really noticed. Massively underrated feature coming up, Maybe. Jimmy Gopper. Yeah, not done that for a while, have we? The massively underrated no, we feature. That's been a very long time. That is a throwback. That is a throwback. For, if anybody out there has anybody who you think is massively underrated and that we should maybe do a bit of an in-depth profile on, then let us know at Get Blood and Mud. Yeah, or Lee at bloodandmud.com or. Rugby shirt watcher, I don't know, whatever your email is. What's your email? It doesn't uh, Josh at rugbyshirtwatch.com. Josh at rugbyshirtwatch.com. Um, what else did I learn this weekend? A few people pointed this out on Twitter, and I was already well there with it already. Commentary will not shut the fuck up about the fucking Lions. Oh, for fuck's sake, it's driving me up the fucking wall. Yeah. Oh, like... there's such a body there showing Gatlin some fucking thing or other that Gatlin should be paying attention to. <laughs> That's basically what they're saying every time. Oh, everyone knows that he's a prop, but he's just showed Warren Gatlin that he can also cook a mean fucking omelette there or something. It's yeah. just... It's, it's mad. It's genuine. Sky were worse for it than everyone else. Because oh, yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> they will. Obviously, they've got the Lions. I get it. They That's want true. To and they've done lots of tours, up. haven't they? That's the other thing. But fuck me. Stuart Bonds will not shut the fuck up. <laughs> the man, at one point in the Sarri's um, 
Glasgow game, yeah. he basically put Tommy Seymour on the plane because he <laughs> done a good highball yeah, catch. Exactly. And the fact that he then missed the following, like the three after it, were entirely inconsequential to him. That was that catch is why he's going to be on the plane to New Zealand. Is it's, he? It was the explanation was... for it as well. He said, he, this is because I actually wrote it down while it was on because I was so fucking fuming about it. He said, <laughs> you need to be good in the air in New Zealand. As, right. a, as opposed to what? Wherever else when yeah. you're playing well, rugby. I mean, you don't need to be Because everyone knows the they, only do, they only do grubber kicks in France. Nobody ever has to yeah. catch a ball in the air in France. You don't really need to be good in the air on the moon, for example, <laughs> because the reduced gravity means there's basically a, a fairly level playing field in that regard. But Reese not got in touch on Twitter and said, um, as you just said, Tommy Seymour should be a line because he basically caught an up and under. And as Reese not said, he was at that on Sat on that day on Sunday. Seymour was the probably the third best Scottish winger on the pitch. There were probably two better Scottish wingers than him playing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Lee, Lee, Lee Jones, Jones and Maitland. Better. Maitland, Maitland was, was better. better. Yeah. It was, you know, it was Tommy Seymour did fuck all aside from that catch. <laughs> and it's just, it's this relentless. I honestly, I've been sort of in my like slightly angry, you know, grumpy way. Every time I've been hearing these sort of Lions 15s and the constant talk of lions for the last two or three months i've kind of mentally been like compiling a list every week of the players who are fucking not going on the lions tour <laughs> because they're fucking shite and it's just that that to me is much more satisfying who's not going on the lions tour this week tommy fucking seymour's not going on the lions tour this week <laughs> dan biggers not going on the fucking lions tour this week yes and on. indeed it's it's just oh it's so maddeningly over the top and silly. And it's and I also, guess... I mean, what do you talk about the rest of the fucking four years when you're commentating on games? You don't say this then, so why can't I tell you? Why what? Is the... They talk about England. Yeah. Particularly Sky. Oh, yeah, Sky, okay. yeah, yeah. Sky will they talk do, yes. about who is going to play for England, but right now nobody cares about that. Um, so they're going to talk about was... the Lions and they're going to talk about it even more because they've got it. Speaking of commentaries, in the Bath game, um, Nick Mullins was commentating and there was a point at which it zoomed in on Salupi Falatau, but he'd started talking about somebody else and I can't remember who he was talking about. And Mullins was off on one for about two minutes talking about this other player on the opposing team while the camera was just lingering on Falatau. And I thought, <laughs> this is ridiculous, what's he going to do here? And he said, and some of the players he's going to have to be coming up against are Talupe Falatau. And it was like, and I was like, you know what? That's why you've got the job, mate. Because I didn't know how the hell you're going to get out of that. And some of the people you've got to contend with are Talupe Falatau. Boom, back in. Yes. Who was very good this weekend, I must say. Yes, he was. But we'll talk um, about like, his selection yes. for next um, week. What else did you another learn? Another thing I learned this weekend, um, Scottish teams probably stay away from London. Um, because apparently being inside the M25 causes quality Scottish teams and players to forget everything they know about professional rugby and generally be a big bag of shite. Point of order, um, Edinburgh are not a quality Scottish team. <laughs> Sorry, everyone out there. True. Yeah, so true. Um, yeah, but you know, I mean, Glasgow performance wasn't anywhere near as embarrassing as the shit show that a lot of those very same players delivered, what was it, 15 miles south at Twickenham last month. Yes. But there was a sense that... They didn't really give I, much of an account to themselves. I turned they, that game honest. on and I saw that gleaming pitch, that mm. hybrid pitch and the sun shining and the clear blue sky. And I thought, this, I honestly did think this is going to be a very, very long day for Glasgow. 
Yeah, and it was. <laughs> um, yeah, no, they, I mean, of course, they were playing against the best team in Europe, if not the world. Yada yada oh, yada. Yeah, it's no, it's it's. I wasn't it's no massive, you know, dumping on them to say that. Really, I think any team in in that weather against that team when they're playing like that, it's you know, it happens to Bath, didn't yeah, it? It'd be hard. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's not even look. They didn't even look like they fancied making it interesting for much of the game. Like, they kind of just they're big name players who you know. Let's not forget, as if we were allowed to forget for more than five seconds, are claiming to be putting their hands up for Lions selection, etc. They just didn't fucking turn up at all. No. Like Stuart Hogg once again was so anonymous. I don't remember actually a single positive thing of note that he did on attack. And like the most notable, well, they, did, they didn't all. attack at all, apart from no. that, that one try, which was one thing I learned as well. Is that Glasgow remain very good, remain very good off set piece first phase possession because that's yeah, what that try came from. As good as anyone with enormous yeah, but... caveats on the fucking disgraceful tackling by Ashton and Goode. That was awful. Um, and Goode didn't exactly cover himself in glory either. No. Um, but yeah, and, and of course Finn Russell once again set his controls for the heart of the fuck up. Um. <laughs> and yes, that was a Pink Floyd joke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, he did mix in the odd dollop of undeniable brilliance into his small. But he does, doesn't he? Kicking, but he does, you know, he? yeah, he was just like ropey passes, flaky defence. But you see, unforced errors. Saracens are so efficient that even an involuntary movement of the arm backwards takes out the one of the most threatening players of the opposition. Yeah. So even it's... so even like oh, if I was just moving his arm backwards, knocks out Johnny Gray. That's how that's how incredibly efficient Efic- their yeah, entire system just... is. No <laughs> movement is wasted. Yeah, it's it, at times this season. I genuinely have looked at Glasgow and thought they are ready to make that step up to be at top table of European rugby, and this. I think was a reminder that yeah, this is their first quarter final ever. Yeah, and remember how long it took Saracens to keep moving. Up. Absolutely, you know they they went this way, didn't they? They didn't quite no. win the league. They didn't. They got to quarters. They got to semis. They had heartbreak. You know, it's yeah, it's part it's like of the you journey. Can't fake, you can't fake the intensity of a European knockout game, like especially away from home. Not many people go home, there and win, away do they? From home to Saracens. You know, people only go there and win in the Six Nations when Saracens have that like special reboot downtime where they have the comms room d- painted yeah, or something. Exactly, when they're like updating the firmware or whatever. Yeah, it's yeah, and Glasgow, you know, they got blown away. They were totally unprepared for what they were going to reap by the looks of it. Um, but they'll learn from it. And I, I think with Dave Rennie at the wheels yeah. next year, it's it's you know they'll be back. Well, and hopefully, you know, they'll be able to, to put up more of a fight next time. Another thing I learned from that game is that Chris mm. Ashton's, even Chris Ashton's own teammates hate him. <laughs> On the 24th minute of that game, he yeah. came to have a chat with the referee. Did you hear this? I didn't, no. He came to have a chat with the referee. And hopefully you can hear this because I couldn't get it quite loud enough. One, listen to what his teammate is saying to him, which is funny in itself. And two... Listen to the voice that his teammate has when he is saying it to him. So Chris Ashton has just walked in field to have a conversation. Mm. <laughs> Did you hear that? Yes. That was Richard Wigglesworth. Ashton, no, Ashton, no, Ashton, no, Ashton, no. Get on your wing. 
like Donald and Davey starts. Get on your wing, man. Get on your fucking wing. There's marzipan out there on the wing. Go and have some marzipan. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) You are totally redundant talking to this referee. Go on the wing, man. (laughs) Obviously, they were just like, Aston, no, no, please just fuck off back to your wing. Just fuck off, man. So if you didn't catch it, here he's going. There's actually another voice in the background going, Ashton! Because obviously it's just when you fuck off. So basically now, whenever Chris Ashton approaches an official, his entire team starts shouting at him. To get back on his wing. Yeah, so I learned they can't stand him either. So they're gonna yeah, who's going to do that in Toulon next year? Yeah, interesting. Mm. Anything else you learned? Mar- no, I, I imagine Marnanu will be able to convince him to go back on his wing very easily. Yeah, or maybe Bastro will just kind of pick oh, him just, up. Yeah. I imagine they'll just take a, a, a slight raise of the eyebrow from Nonu. And... Yes. Yeah. Um, other things I learned um, on the same theme, I think Saris probably need a bigger test than European rugby, don't they? They play, <laughs> rug- they play rugby on the moon. Intergalactic championships. Like They might need to set up yeah, fixtures with teams not of this earth to give them a challenge because when they're at full strength and firing like they were on Saturday... They just look mechanically, relentlessly unstoppable. Like, they spent 50 minutes toying with Glasgow. Well, let's not forget a fucking good team on their day. Mm. It was like a tiger with a small rodent. They weren't really trying that hard. They were just kind of, yeah, yeah. yeah let's, and they ran through every sort uh, of pattern in the backs they had, didn't they? They, did, they yeah. did all those block run around the back moves. They did blasted up the middle moves and everything. They just, they just had them all day. People like Jackson Ray, who really shouldn't be any good. Looks absolutely no. magnificent in that team, like indefatigable and destructive and everything. Yeah. And let's not forget that it was, what, 14-8 when Lee Jones scored on 48 mm-hmm. minutes. And then by 79 minutes, it was 38-8. It was a shafting. It, they, they're an inhuman killing machine. And <laughs> yeah, at this point, the only team that can probably give them a game is the Monsters. And yes, that's a Space Jam joke we're doing. Space Jam. <laughs> I see. If I had, I believe I can fly by R. Kelly on here. I'll tell you that up right there. <laughs> but um, one thing I learned for the weekend is that Brian O'Driscoll really liked Stuart Lancaster. Mm. He would not stop talking about him, talking about almost, his offloads, a... his, his the way he's changed the attitude. It's almost like also one thing I did learn as well, linked to that, is Stuart Lancaster is an absolutely magnificent exponent of the Northern Man stance. Because every time they cut up to the commentary <laughs> box. He had that thing where you have one leg up, one foot up on a chair, and leaning <laughs> leaning on your thigh with it. And it was a brilliant with his headset on. It was like, yes, I'm here, I'm northern, and I'm changing things for the better. Yes, and here are my bollocks. <laughs> yes, like to see them. the northern man stance. Good for you, Stuart. You've turned mm-hmm. your career around. Yes. Um, other things I've learned. Um, Sari's monster for all of my talk about Space Jam, etc. What a fucking game that's going to be. Mm. Like, despite what Sky Sports' punditry cohort will tell you, Munster aren't fated to win the Champions Cup this season. Um, and they probably won't because they've got to go to Allianz Park. But as European games come, I mean, God, can you imagine? It's going to be brutal and brilliant. This is They're what it's all about, isn't it? Seven shades of. Sh- like, I, it's going to be vicious in the best possible way. Stand the. Omani, 
all of the uh, against fucking Itoje and McCruis if he's fit and George and Big Billy and it's just ah it's going to be brilliant. I'm very excited. Yes, it's going to be it's going to be one for the purists in that it's going to be a fucking war and I cannot wait. Here's what I learned: um, Toulouse are wankers. Yeah, basically, and also quite yeah. self-destructive wankers as well. Not even clever with it. No, I, I'm, I'm going to go so far as to say that French rugby, top to bottom, is a bit of a fucking mess. Like, maybe I'm just a bit sore about what happened in the Principality Stadium yesterday, but the fucking state of club rugby in France, like, it's no surprise that La Rochelle are top, top, of top 14, because as they demonstrated once again against Edinburgh, they actually here and attacking rugby with some semblance of pattern like mm. a modern rugby team is supposed to. Whereas everybody else, even Claremont, to be honest, like Claremont are a, a, a very good team. But, <coughs> sorry, they own, like they have just massive physical packs, solid defence, and a commitment to dragging rugby down to an unwatchable shit fest seems to be the common denominator between all of their teams. Like, and they've got all the money in the world. They've got some of the most exciting players from all over the Southern Hemisphere, packed stadiums every week, and the product they offer is, is basically like watching two school teams from the Valleys play in the rain. It's, it's fucking terrible. There's, they just don't play rugby anymore. I don't know what they do play, but it isn't fucking rugby. I had an email from a guy called Dave Kenny who mm-hmm. said, have a look at this programme. And it's a programme, I think I've, I sort of forwarded it on to you, called The Toughest Trade. Which is it's, oh, a, yes. it's, a, it's an Irish program where Irish GAA players go and try another sport, and the the other person from the other sport goes and tries to go at playing a GAA game. And Shane Williams went to Donegal and swapped to play for Michael Murphy's mm. Glen Swilly Donegal Gaelic football yes. team. And Michael Murphy went from Donegal to Claremont to train with them for a week. Yeah. Now, obviously, what you find, obviously, is that, funnily enough, Michael Murphy, a county level, one of the best GAA players in, in his country, looks like he'd be quite a handy rugby player if you give him enough time. Rugby player, yeah. Yeah, and Shane Williams did very well, because when you've got to run with the ball and kick it, he's okay, you know. But um, <laughs> yeah. more than more than that, when I pick up on your point about, about French players, all the cameras inside the Claremont facilities were absolutely unbelievable. The facilities were absolutely unbelievable. They had a gym... They had um, an incredible setup for nutrition. So the fact that they're all big, massive fat gets, there's absolutely no excuse for it at all. And that's that, really. As more sectors across Ireland are reopening, the COVID-19 pandemic unemployment payment is changing. If you're currently receiving this payment, the amount you receive will change from the 16th of November. To find out more about how these changes will affect you, visit gov.ie forward slash PUP changes. A Government of Ireland initiative brought to you by the Department of Social Protection. Zero. It gets a bad rep. Like when people say they have zero interest in something. Well, if you're thinking of buying an electric car this year, you'll find this interesting because at Nissan, we see the power of zero. Introducing the Nissan Leaf Power of Zero offer. Buy a brand new 100% electric zero emissions Nissan Leaf and get one year's free servicing, a free home charger, the lowest electric finance offer on the market and great savings on running costs. Now that's the Power of Zero. Find out more at nissan.ie. 
Yeah, so, true that. <laughs> yeah, so um, I digressed again slightly there. Mm. So what else did I learn this weekend? Um, Zurab Jivania, the prop for Stad, is Zangief from Street Fighter, and I yes, claim my five pounds. He very much is, actually, isn't he? Yeah. Um, other things I learned. Um, speaking of the Challenge Cup, actually, it needs a new broadcaster, desperately. Right. Because when... I've only BT got it. Uh, BT and Sky share it, I think. Mm. But obviously, like, Sky and BT are trying their very hardest to make no one give a fuck about it. Because they... It's not obviously it's not as prestigious as the big cup. No. But you still got, you know, Stade Francais, Gloucester, Bath, La Rochelle, Ospreys, Glo- you know, Cardiff. It's they're they're big, they're prestigious teams, arguably, you know, in terms of history, these teams are just as prestigious yeah. and just as storied as the teams in the Challenge Cup. In the Challenge Cup rather, sorry. But they just persist with sticking it on at fucking Awkward times and awkward days and awkward locales and it's like they. I mean, we follow encouraged. this quite closely, and even I struggle to yeah. know exactly when the games are on. Sometimes, and a lot of the games aren't even broadcast on telly, and it's like they actively encourage fans not to care and to treat it like it doesn't matter because, you know, they 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 have no incentive to make the Challenge Cup anything more than a poor relation that they use to fill up time that they have to spare. Because they want to hype up the Champions Cup, and mm. you know, fair enough, I don't blame them for that. Well, it will always but be a poor pin- relation. That's fine. You know, you accept, it's, like, fine. it's like the uh, Europa League, whatever it's called, in the football. It's a football well, relation, but it still gets more it profile. On, but if it was on a, a, a different broadcaster, specifically, if it was on a terrestrial broadcaster, mm. like imagine if they sort. Remember what they did with the Europa League when they had it on Channel Five about ten years ago. And all of a sudden, Channel 5, it was the only football they had. So they treated it like this massive deal. They threw all the money that they could they could afford at it. They put it on at relatively sensible times. You know, they had a good studio team of knowledgeable people and interesting things. And, you know, for a while there... And John Barnes. And, and John Barnes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but for a while there, it elevated it to something that was a little bit more than just this B-list tournament that nobody yeah. really wants to be in. It needs something like, like that, you're right, yeah. And can you imagine if they did sell the rights to like BBC or Channel Five or ITV or whoever, like to have European domestic rugby on terrestrial telly, like how good would that be for driving interest in the club game? Do they sell because... them separately? They no, like, that's the thing. They they sell it all as one big package, and I think that's a massive mistake because like I don't think that like your casual fan who watches the Six Nations is gonna care that. Gloucester versus Cardiff or Bath versus Stard or Quinns versus Montpellier or whatever is going to be in the Challenge Cup. They're going to look at it and think, oh, that sounds like a big game. Mm. And they'll probably watch it. You know, it's it just seems like such a waste of everyone's time and effort to, you know, put games on at fucking quarter to six on a Sunday evening. You know, what the fuck is yeah. the point of that? What else did I learn? Um... And this is kind of going into shit watch a bit here, so maybe we can Sieg in, uh, segue in. We keep getting told off for saying Sieg, not segue. Uh, yeah. We'll segue into, into this. <laughs> um, what I learned is the longer that refs and TMOs take, the more wrong they tend to get it. It's almost like they keep looking for even more reasons to get it wrong and take it long. The Raisuke stamp, the, the stamp, stamping incident, right? 
Yeah. They looked at it over and over and over again in an obsessive need to say, did he stand on his chest or did he stand on his head? When actually the issue was he, he, yeah. he wasn't even looking at him when he stamped on him. So he had absolutely no control where no. his boot was was ending up. It could have ended up on his bollocks and his eyes anywhere. So why, you know again, that, you know were, you, were you ruling is? on the outcome of something rather than his intent to stamp the yeah. fuck all over someone? And that, that in particular, I think there is definitely a case that if refs spend too long looking at things, they start to second guess the thing that they saw with their eyes the first time. As any of us would, which is, which is why you which shouldn't why, do it. Yeah, which is, yeah, well, which is why I think the ref should not be... Like, I know people say they want to give control back to the ref, but I genuinely don't think that looking at something on a big screen from 50 yards away in a stadium is not the best way to do a bit of TMO in, if I'm totally honest with you. If you're going to do right, the TMO yeah. thing... You give it have to the TMO. Yeah. who's fucking six inches away from a screen and has all the angles up close to look at properly. That's what it should be. Preferably but, in a Chaz and Dave drummer hat. Well, ideally. I mean, I still think the whole, you know, TMO bunker thing they do in the NRL is the best way to do it and have it all centralised so there's at least a bit of fucking consistency. But, that's yeah. Nev- that's reality, never going to happen, but I see what you're saying. No, the Rasky thing was, basically, it was 15, 20 minutes into the game and that referee did not want to make a big decision. Yeah, that, that referee... And so he looked at it long enough until he could convince himself that he could give a yellow instead of a red for that because he didn't want to, inverted commas, ruin the game. If you put a nervous was, breakdown... He was doing a very fine job of ruining itself. He didn't need to... <laughs> if you put a nervous breakdown in sports kit and let it run around, that's what it would, that, that's what it would look like, his performance in that he game. Was, Fuck! I, I I know I'm an Ospreys fan, and I was. I'm not an Ospreys fan, and it was awful. Honestly, it was. It was and actually, I felt in a way I felt sorry for him because I I don't think he knew how to get it back. No, he the the game. He was went, like, "What's his name in the Green Mile?" I tried to take <laughs> it back, balls. That's the thing. It was when he did that. The Ospreys were incensed. Then he did a few more things that irritated them, and he ob- obviously then got in his ear about everything. And so he, he basically allowed this constant back and forth, back chat, whining, complaining, and he didn't do anything to stamp it down. And he just totally lost control of the game at that point. Mm. And all of the decisions that he made were basically being either heavily influenced by one team's whinging or were just... Like you said, his head went. You know, it happens to a player. Why? Why do know. no? Why do referees never walk people ten meters anymore? That is Can my, you remember the last ta- the last time that happened? Pet peeves. I fucking hate that that doesn't happen. I mean, most of the it, it would be slight as an Ospreys fan. It would be slightly hazardous because every game that's <laughs> yes. that big of play, yeah, you would, would spend yes. most of the game sort of back behind their own fucking try line. Thanks <laughs> you'd, to him, be, but... you'd be in the car park. Yeah, they'd be walked back so many times. But that's the only way it'll stop him. Well, so that's the thing. Somebody has to take control, and and that ref did not want to take control, and he wanted to, he let Sergio Prese and Dan Bigger have control of that game, and I mean it was it was probably the most depressing eighty minutes I've, of rugby I've had to watch, not just as an Ospreys fan, but just as a fan of the game being executed competently by anyone that I've seen in a very long time. 
And that's why, as you say, we should probably segue <laughs> into hashtag shitwatch. Shit yes. There's Cuthbert Police on Cup. It was a big day on Sunday. We were all looking forward to it. Lots of people oh, on Twitter looking so forward good. to it. it would have, we thought, finally, finally, that the yeah. Cuthbert Police on Cup was going to be you leaving know, the Pro 12. You know how pessimistic I am about things? Yes. And it has been anything, noticed. Anything that I have any kind of stake in, I am almost uniquely fatalistic about. Mm. I was pretty confident the Ospreys are going to win that game. Yeah, I mean, basically, the last time Stad won a game away, I think, you know, Peter Stringer was still in high school. It was that long ago. I mean, oh, you know, let's not beat around the bush. If the ref hadn't shat himself and awarded mm. a try that nobody in their right mind thinks was a try, um, they still would have won. Yeah, because you well, they Ospreys were, were, were plop. They didn't deserve to win because they were fucking terrible. But Stan didn't deserve to win either because they were <laughs> even fucking worse. And the referee didn't deserve to win because he was terrible. It was basically a perfect storm of everyone shitting themselves. It was awful. I mean, look at the. I mean, I looked at the team before the game, and it did have. I was sort of like, oh fuck, I forgot how bad things were. As far as the Ospreys injury list goes, you know, no mm. Alan Jones, no Bradley Davis, no Dan Lydiot, no Arhip, no Hassler, no Walker, no Hannah Dirksen, no Ben John. That's not even a full list. But it in no way excuses that. What a shower of shit they were. <laughs> like, I mean, it was the sort of thing that just makes you want to cancel rugby. Not just like the game or the tournament, just the whole fucking sport. Like, wind it up, lads. We cannot run the risk of something this bad happening again. Like just 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 call it all off. Like watching watching a team you know score why though, zero points in twenty five minutes with a man advantage was actually like some sort of weird performance art. I was gonna actually tweet you to talk about because obviously Wales National Squad have a massive problem with managing a man advantage, don't they? And obviously it's passed down onto Ospreys as well. Well I think I don't think it's entirely coincidental that the Ospreys were smashing all Cumbers playing really beautiful attacking rugby before the Six Nations and half of the squad goes off to spend six weeks with Wales and they come back and they play like that in two games. Welsh rugby, like, uh, by and large, how would you say it was going? Pretty fucking terrible, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike Hemming got in touch on Twitter because, you see, we, we were making logical predictions about the CPC, weren't we, you see? We were actually trying to play. We forget that the universe of the CPC operates to a completely different set of in unintelligible rules that tiny, feeble human minds like ours can't possibly fathom. And as Mike Hemming said, what he found pretty shit was this weekend was the unnerving cheek of the CPC to be bigger and more influential than the will of its loyal fans. See, I didn't find it unnerving. That's exactly as it should be. That's exactly how it should be. And... and... Look, look, this it's another week of the CPC for the Ospreys, but next up they've got Leinster at home. So um, either <laughs> they're going to somehow... Let's, let's be honest, they're not going to beat Leinster next week. They're not. I, I can genuinely see them holding it on and for the rest of the season. Are they playing Scarlet at, at any point? Could they possibly pass it on to the final they Welsh are, region? They are away to Scarlet, so that seems unlikely. They're away to Cardiff, so Cardiff might get it back. They've got... Yeah, so it's Leinster at home. Cardiff away, Scarlet's away, Ulster at home are their remaining four. Hey, fixtures. you don't want to be holding it over summer. That's not many games left, what, is it? They are. They are going to hold it all summer. 
on the base if they ah, play there's like they the josh the we know and love we are never getting rid of it ever again well this is like yeah maybe maybe if we get to play an italian team at home at some point in the start of next season but um yeah looking at the running i'm just thinking last point on that get on that game mm. to be fair to sam davis it is very difficult to see an absolute half giant <laughs> stood in your eye line in a pink and white fluorescent kit with lightning bolts on it isn't it how was he expected to to, to you know no. Not see him. Well, Sam Davis's confidence has basically gone in the tank while he's been away at Wales because he came back and played like dog shit last week. He played like dog shit this week. It's very sad to see what six weeks in Wales camp does to talented players. Curse you, Rob Howley. Is there anything that isn't Rob Howley's fault? Is there anything fault? that I can't blame him for? Hashtag no. Howley's fault. We have to get that going. <laughs> Pretty much everything. Yes, Brexit, Howley's fault. <laughs> Trump. Blue Howley's passports, fault. Howley's fault. Oh, massively Howley's fault. Turns out we could have had blue passports all along, like Croatia have. Oh, that was worth it then, wasn't it? But let's not get into that. No. Um the so yeah, so that's that. So that was shit watch. That was what we learned from the weekend. Thank you very much to everyone who's contributed to that. Um As ever. we've got a little feature now, what I like to call Oh, we should probably mention that you can follow the uh Oh yeah, sorry, CPC as well, yes. Uh we at the C P Cup on Twitter if you want to get all of your there's more than 200 followers already. That's the kind nice of social impact that this has. Good for you. Good for you all. Good for you all. Um, Tell your friends about the CPC. Try and explain it to them. We're probably losing <laughs> track of what it's all about now. We just know it's a thing. Yeah. Watch how they look at you confusedly. Yes. But you don't care, do you? You don't. We'd like to do a bit of a thing now where we. De- I decided to think about what if there was rugby reality television? Mm. So what kind of I mean, programs would we have? If we I'm presuming that James TV. Haskell has already got some in development, if I'm totally honest. He with must you. be having but, uh, it lined up. He'll probably fund it himself as well. He probably will, yeah. Or his dad will. His dad will, yeah. His dad definitely will. <laughs> so, some examples of rugby reality TV that we thought of. And we'll keep this going when we try and think of stuff. And any suggestions yeah. that you have will be welcome at Blood and Mud for rugby reality TV programs. So, imagine that there's, you know, one of those channels called, what they called, Really or something, or, you know, <laughs> People in Tracksuits, whatever it's called. Yeah, um, Lifetime. Lifetime, yeah. Quest, is that one? <laughs> Probably, yeah. Um, anyway, here's some rugby reality TV. For example, Ice Road Scrummagers. Like it. Two packs are taken more. to a lake in Canada where they compete to push a scrum machine across said frozen lake, and, I don't know, they get a prize at the end. What will prize would they get? I'd watch that. That'd be all right, wouldn't it? That's, you know, yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin's Broken Skull Challenge, but kind of with a scrum machine in the ice. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Steve Austin's Broken Skull Challenge is one of the finest televisual achievements of our age. It's but glorious. I think that I, I think that Ice Road Scrummages could be up there. Have you got any? Um, yes, well, uh, I've got um, Type 5 Go Mad in Dorset. <laughs> which, <laughs> I mean, I, I'll level with you. I came up with a title first and then construed. Uh, hey, but yes, uh, it, it works for Channel 5. Why should it not work for you? Does. So, yes, uh, Type 5 Go Mad in Dorset is a gonzo documentary about a team of locks and props who enter the Bournemouth Sevens. Hijinks ensue, <laughs> obviously. Is Bournemouth in Dorset? Yes. Good. Right. I didn't bother checking that. Um, Austin Healy Island. <laughs> I level with you. I just like the thought of Austin Healy being on an island. Well, that's kind of not that's what it is. This is not what the concept is. The concept no. is is that rugby fans, a group of ten rugby fans, are placed on an island with access only to videos and audio of Austin Healy. And so the last it's one, basically, going to be like Lord of the Flies. But yeah. So the last one then. left alive wins. The last one who hasn't killed <laughs> themselves or impaled themselves on a palm tree 
wins. Good. Um, I've got another one. Rock Dynasty. Um, That's based famous... on Duck Dynasty, I'm guessing. But I, I've never <laughs> yes, seen that program. Like, I, don't, I don't know what I've it is. Seen, I've never seen it either. It's about hillbillies who right. like ducks, I guess. Probably. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, well anyway. it, it must be, because why would that not work? Well, exactly. Uh, Rock Dynasty, I actually think, is a very good idea for a TV program because it is. Famous rugby father-son combinations compete with each other in a series of increasingly humiliating It's a Knockout-style challenges. Um, First episodes to feature the Farrells versus the Fords (laughs) in the Battle of the Dower Northern League converts. That... That would genuinely be a good television program. Tell me that wouldn't be a great hour. That would genuinely be a good television. The Moriarty's could do it in one week. Oh, Imagine that. As well. Imagine with the poor bugger who'd be up against Ross and Paul Moriarty in some kind of physical competition. Oh, they would Kingsley get eaten Jones alive. And Dorian Jones could get in there and be terrible. <sighs> they wouldn't last very long, would they? <laughs> no, they would not. Um, I've got. Uh, go on, sorry. I was thinking who else we could get, brother wise, but don't worry about it. Uh, I've got the Welsh Rugby Apprentice. Yeah. Twelve hopefuls compete for a senior job at the, uh, the WIU by competing in, tax, in tasks such as chairing the Valley's fans forum and see if you can about it. Yeah. Who can pump the most water out of Rodney Parade? <laughs> and the cheapest sponsorship option for the National Stadium. Yes. I mean, these are all very valuable skills. Yeah. But... Ruinous contract negotiations week. They can have all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and then they have to show off a lack of business plan at the end of it, and uh... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and stand kind of shrugging their shoulders at meetings. Yeah. Like Stuart Davis is doing. How much is Rodney Parade worth, Stuart? Uh, <laughs> He's like Trump, isn't he, Stuart Davis? He's just a, he I don't is know, a little it's, bit like that. But it's it's, it's a terrific stadium. It's an absolutely terrific stadium. It's a terrific deal. You don't have to worry Wait, about I, that. I, it doesn't matter. It's underwater. It's fine. No, absolutely terrific deal. Everyone, you ask anybody, they'll tell you what a terrific deal this is. Yeah, they want to be playing water polo. They told me. Right, last one before we move off this. Carlos Spencer, Carlos Spencer's DIY Roadshow. <laughs> or okay. it would also work with Freddie Michelak's DIY Roadshow. Okay, I'm starting to see where you're going with this. So Carlos Continue. Spencer's DIY Roadshow. Former All Black Carlos Spencer brings his legendary thinking outside the box skills to DIY projects up and down the country. Today, Carlos saves space in a terrace in Basildon by putting a bath on the roof and converting, converting the shed into a mobile kitchenette. He's like Handy Andy with a brain injury then. Basically, basically yeah. But it could okay, work with, you could have a French version for Michelac on Canal Plus Television. Yes. It would all work. I, I, I'd watch that. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't watch that? So we'll revisit that. Any ideas you've got out there for reality TV shows that are rugby-related in some way, then please let us know. We are going to finish, as we always finish, in the finishing way with the blood and mud shit good ratings. What do we have this week? Josh, start me off. Will you please? Thank you, please. Okay, well, shit, perhaps the most obvious shit of the weekend Uh is Vili LaRue. What a twat. Uh, people <laughs> what have said twat. What people have said like he was showboating, but and he was a bit, but it's not exactly like he was doing a swallow dive or anything, is it? Like he just got a bit he just demonstrated for the three million four hundred and fifty thousand two hundred and thirty ninth time that unless you need a free hand for handing people off. Hold the fucking ball in two hands. And why don't people just put the fucking ball down? If you have, <laughs> if you have to dive, 
then yes, fine. If you're trying to get through people or something. Mm. But if it's just you and you're like gently cantering towards the line, why don't you just have the ball in two hands, bend over and touch it down? I'll tell you why. Because for some reason, people are coached to dive on the ball because that's seen as safer. Really? Yeah, it's fucking, fucking stupid. Mental. It's absolutely <laughs> stupid. And, um, I did appreciate uh, Delalio's brass neck in suggesting that that should still be given as well. By the way, oh, that was oh, I'd give that. Yeah, the Driscoll yeah, burst I, out laughing I, very loudly, he didn't he? Himself, didn't he? It was just like, come the fuck on, Lawrence. Oh, I'd give come that. On. He said, and Driscoll's like, wow, yeah, I bet you would, yeah, sort of thing. <laughs> Yeah, as Declan on Twitter said, when I asked for shit good nominations, he just said uh, Larue all the time. Yes, mm. what a fool. Um, ironically, I think in our chats we've probably covered most of my shits, but um, oh, particularly okay. I'm going to draw highlights to it again. Dan Bigger and Sergio Parise. Quite aside from all the other dreadful shite that was going on, there was this constant bubbling undertow of Bigger and Parise just having a competition to see who could moan and complain to the ref more irritatingly. Like, as far as far as I can see, if Northampton want Bigger, they're fucking welcome to him. The guy has genuinely crossed the line from back in like a year or two ago when I defended his chopsing because it was like, well, you know, his will to win bubbles over sometimes. But now he's just constantly barracking and disrespecting the ref, yeah. his opponents, every, you know. I can't believe his team game. don't please him. At every level that I played at, when somebody was gobbing off like that at the ref, your team polices you to say, stop it because you're going to get yourself. Mind you, though, I think the problem is because he's, not being, he's not being sanctioned, is he? See, normally you, you police, your team would police you because they'd be like, you're going to get sanctioned in a minute, so shut up because you're not going to do us any favours. We're actually, he just seems but to get away with it. You know, it's, it's the shouting at Chris Ashton thing. You know, mm. nobody is shouting at Dan Bigger. Yeah. And that is probably because Dan Bigger is one of the bigger personalities on the Ospreys team and the Wales team as well. Is there anybody you know, in the Ospreys team with a very high-pitched voice who could get caught on the microphone <laughs> shouting at him? Because that would make my I, week. I mean, we could certainly... I, I'll, I'll do some auditions. That's all. <laughs> But like, yeah, yeah it's terrible. Parise is exactly the same. You know, nobody on that stad team is going to tell Parise to shut his fucking mouth and stop being a dickhead. Yes. And so he just constantly, you know, the pair of them were an absolute pair of dickheads on Sunday and it boiled my yeah. piss listening to them. Yeah, as I said, that game had everything and none of it was any good. Yeah, it was wall-to-wall awful. <laughs> it was loads of drama and yet it was all terrible. It was like a daytime hmm. soap. Plenty of drama, all of it terrible. <laughs> None of it in any way convincing. No. Um, shit for me. And I've waited a long time for this, I'll be honest. To genuinely be able to say this, I've waited a very, very long time given what's been happening this season. And, and for the past 12 months, really, it's been a tough year. But I can now genuinely <laughs> say... Where you're going with this. <laughs> I can genuinely now say that shit this week was James Haskell. Yeah, he was dog shit, wasn't he? He really can't do rugby things. <laughs> In that, Hashtag just rugby things. Yeah, it's just rugby things. He's a big lad, he's a strong lad, but he can't do rugby things. For example, on 11 minutes, I've charted all this, on 11 <laughs> minutes, a turnover was won by Wasps. He was the first person who got the ball, and he passed it directly onto the floor, two feet in front of the person he was trying to pass to, under no pressure whatsoever, which completely ruined Wasps' counter-attack. He also nonchal- brilliantly was nonchalantly stepped by Sexton, 
on one of those defense one of those defensive rushes he accidentally stepped by uh, Tag Furlong at one point as well (laughs) that's even better I missed that bit I can't remember that makes it even better but those very famed defense rushes that he does that he's so famed for Sexton just went woof woof and just went straight round him (laughs) then of course there was um, he then fell on the back of the scrum and was penalized and then tried to have a row with Nigel with Nigel by the way of all people of all people to say that the number eight wasn't bound uh, was, it was number eight. Was it Dan? What was his name from the break for Uh Dan Levy, yeah. Levy. Oh, was it? Was it? No, Conan Levy came. Conan, Jack Conan. Jack Conan yeah. was a number eight. He said he wasn't bad. Nigel just went, yeah, he was. And just like go away, basically. <laughs> but the thing, what I realised was because he's, the thing about James is right. He's a big, strong lad. He's alright, but he's not very bright. And I think that he knew that all around him, the thing he loves most, which is wasps. He loves mo- wasps, not as much as he loves oh, himself, yeah. but he loves wasps. And and all around him, it was it was coming apart, and he really didn't want that to happen. He was basically like a seven-year-old vainly trying to save his failing parents' marriage. <laughs> you know, or maybe if I just yeah. like leave a flower here, mum will think it's from dad, and then it will all yeah. be okay. But actually, no. I'll it's make, them a, I'll make no. them a card with all my favourite yeah. memories. Dad's been caught having a three-way with two pharmaceutical reps. This isn't going to make it any better. <laughs> so basically, I think that's um, that. That was what it felt like. He was just trying. He's really trying his hardest to stop the thing. He, he likes, was. Not... You can never. You can never question Haskell's effort. But I mean, he made Sean O'Brien look like 2012 vintage <laughs> Sean O'Brien. Which I haven't seen. Hey, Sean O'Brien looked like Michael Jones. That's how good he was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. he looked pretty handy, O'Brien, but only in that a couple he of galloping really runs good. way. Yeah. Yeah, and a couple of nice passes, nice little offloads yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. You know, it was, yeah. But Another shit from that. me the Saracens jazz hands kick thing, where they oh, put their hands out I mean, and wiggle them. Did, did, did. The fact that the Saracens were delighting and what a great atmosphere it was when, let's be honest, 99% of that atmosphere seemed to be Glasgow fans. Yes, of which there were plenty. Fair play to them. They were fucking shitloads of them. Fair play to them coming down on a Sunday afternoon for that. But they were making so much more noise than all the Saracens fans. It was. But imagine could, how I... many cans it had on the train. <laughs> well, exactly, but there's nothing stopping the Saris fans from tanking themselves up and either. having some cans and just actually make some noise and doing that wiggly wobbly hand thing. Yeah, and uh, you know, I don't want to stand up for Saracens. No, I never will. Maybe they should say like shout for Saracens instead of just standing up. Maybe they need more guidance than what they're being given at the moment. Oh, and what was? Oh, there was a terrible thing in the game in that game where somebody said um. <laughs> You know, when Glasgow came back a bit, they just went, oh, there could be a trouble here that they, you know, that they might be poking the bear a bit. And then Saracen scored. And the, the commentator was like, yeah, it was Barnes and Harrison, of course. Oh, yes, it looks like they have awoken the bear after poking the bear. Oh, oh maybe it's a wolf they've awoken. It's a wolf. The wolf has been awoken. It's like, oh, fuck off. There is some 11 out of 10 patronising bollocks being spouted this weekend particularly in that game about, you know, oh, you know, no disrespect to Glasgow, not doing down Glasgow, not doing the... (laughs) You are. You fucking are. You absolutely definitely are. You just want to... You know, it's like it's that that sort of thing of... I'm not trying to call you a cunt. cunt. (laughs) With all all due respect, you know, you're shy. It it, it is the commentator's equivalent of with all due respect. With respect, you're talking absolute shit, love. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that was shit. Shit from Twitter. What did we have from Twitter? We had from Twitter. We had shit. Stu Owen got in touch on Twitter saying shit was Matthew Morgan, the human turnstile. Yeah, I mean, you, you don't get Matthew Morgan in the team for his defending. You don't. Um, 
but it feels like his. De- I, I'm sure that he didn't used to be as bad at defending as he is now. You know, I think it's, it's one of them. Like... Somebody like him who obviously has to work hard. It doesn't take mm. much of a dip in form for it to start to look very, very bad again. If you're a very good defender and your form dips a bit, you're still going to be okay. If only Farrell's form dips a bit, he'll still be one of the best defenders in the team. No, That's not the case yeah. with Matthew Morgan. No, not what even else was shit? Um, shit, Alex. I don't understand it. Paul Simmons said that shit was Alex. Oh, because he's a Gloucester fan. Shit is Alex Cuthbert actually being pretty good at the weekend on the quiet. What, he's done all Alex right, hasn't he? I was genuinely really, really pleased for Alex Cuthbert looked back to somewhere near his best um, in that first half against Gloucester, and he scored two tries. I was. It's been very sad for all the the fun that we've had with the CPC at his expense. I don't really think of it as being associated with him anymore, to be honest. It's kind of taken on a life of his own. Not so with Pleason, for some reason. No. But, um, oh, you did do one decent cross I think that's because Pleason is still an unbearable arsehole. <laughs> Whereas <laughs> Cuthbert, just, it's all a bit sad now. Yes. And I feel a bit bad for him. So it was re- actually really good to see him score a couple of tries and look half decent again because he, is, yeah. he, he should be a good player. Uh, Paul Simmons also said that good was Laurie Fisher getting on it on the booze at the shed at the weekend. He must love if it now, is... must he? I've, I've re- finished, I've resigned in public, I've got no stress anymore, I'm just going to get bladdered. Which I is what it looked like he was doing anyway. Well. It looked like he was doing yeah. that anyway. Well, exactly. That's probably why Gloucester struggled so much this season. He's probably on the cans 24 7. <laughs> Can you I imagine if he got a coaching job with Sean Holly? Him on the cans, Sean on the guitar. Sean on the guitar. Oh, they'd, they'd get no work done at all, would they? Every night. Are we going to run through some moves? Headwear. I'll be there in a minute, lads. Sean, have you thought about wearing like a fishing hat? <laughs> we Just could have suggested. a partner. Yeah, we could have a duo, the fisherman, we could call ourselves. Um, is it a case that like he will only join a club if that club has got a branded fishing hat as part of its merchandise <laughs> range, or do they have to create one for him? I think they probably will. I mean, it's easy enough to do on the internet these days, isn't it? Yeah. But they obviously have some That's, kind of rules around yeah. it, don't they? All yeah, right, you can only have a cloth one. You can't have a us. you can't have a sou'wester. That's that's too no, much. Definitely not. Uh, what else came through on Twitter in the shit? Uh, Fraser Stewart got in touch at Blood and Mud and said, shit for him was not being able to... I'm not being able to put my finger on what makes Saracens better than the sum of their parts. Um, <laughs> uh, it's I think, I think they have got quality through the spine of the team. That's probably what it is. Yeah. Or no, it, right it, through it. it. Even the ones who are a bit meh, like Barrett and Wigglesworth, do a very good job. And then you've got the likes of Ashton, Farrell, Itoji, George... Billy Vernapola, Mako Vernapola, Alex Goode. Mm. When you talk about some of their parts, the parts ain't too fucking bad either, quite No, frankly. they're certainly not. Let's, let's not get sort of too cute with this and saying, you know, it's they are a team racked with quality. But they're also a team... They're, they're a team that I don't even... They're not a team with that many egos, ironically. Well, Billy Vernapola said that when we interviewed him, didn't he? He yeah. did say that actually, as a club... It is quite a down-to-earth place, players-wise. Yeah. It's a good, sorry, the horrible words coming out now, culture there. Yeah, no, and I think that there's some, some definite truth in that. Like, they, they don't see, like, you can't really argue with the fact that even though they do seem like to be, a, you know, a team full of, you know, robotic bellends at times, <laughs> they play for each other, and they they have that kind of, 
don't know. They've just got something, haven't they? They have, and, yeah. yeah. And it's obviously working for them because fucking hell, they're they're very well. They're very. They're things. mostly pretty good players. Very well coached. I think it's there's no mm. great secret really. Um, yeah, I guess that is it's, it's the magic recipe. Is not all that magic. When Fraser you Manson said shit for him on Twitter was the try celebration by Chiefs winger Sean Stevenson. Did you see it? I did not see this. I've seen far too many salt bays this weekend. No, it wasn't that. He's, it's Sean Stevenson. They're getting ridiculous now. Now the try itself, by the way, was a blinder. He went <laughs> into out and went round somebody, and then he chipped and chased and got the ball and scored. It was a hell of a try for the Chiefs. Oh. And then, but apparently his nickname is the Shooter, which, by the way, is a fucking oh, terrible nickname. No. There is no way on God's earth he's not given that to himself. No, he's he, definitely given he do, that to himself. Did he do the air pistols? Well, it was even worse than that. He pretended oh. to kind of put two pistols in a holster by his side, then pull, right. then pull a shotgun from behind his head, right, and then put it on his shoulder and go sort of thing. So put two guns away, pull it out from behind your head. It was like it was like it was like peeling back dickish. the world's most wanky onion. There were so many layers to it, <laughs> which was a shame because the try was an absolute blinder. He's obviously he's obviously a, a, a talented lad. Yeah, in the same way that Chris Ashton got away with swallow diving when he was scoring hat tricks for England, you get the feeling that you can only really get away with doing that kind of try celebration yeah. when you scored an absolute fucking blinder. Let's do good. Let's. Good. Um, good for me. Shoot, yeah. Uh, Zebra getting their just rewards. Yes, um, yes, very good there point. There was a Pro 12 game played on the weekend. Zebra uh, hosted Connacht. They replayed that game that was called off back in September due to a monsoon. Yep. Um, when Zebra were in possession of Shitwatch, let us not forget. Um, and they were leading Connacht something like 20 points to three when yes. the game was called off midway through the when second half. When, when the great shit when, watch, you know, universe intervened. Yeah, once it was probably the most obvious example, perhaps aside from this weekend, of shit watch intervening where common sense <laughs> will not allow. Um, and yeah, so and we were all just, you know, I think we were all very disappointed back then because it was like, for God's sake, you know, they earned that win. It was only like for twenty minutes to go or something. Yeah, and and they and we thought, oh, when they when they play the play the replay, it'll probably be in April, and Connacht will absolutely smash them. Not so fast, my friend, um, because yeah, despite the fact that Connacht scored a couple of early tries and looked like they were going to run away with it, they came back and um, they scored. Uh, Padovani scored an absolutely fucking belting try. Yes, um, he did. Somebody shared it. That was on Twitter. I can't remember who it was. Absolute... Sure, that was, and yeah, they won. They zebra beat Connacht, and while that might not have been the news that it would have been at the start of the season, when you know people were still shocked by Connacht not being very good, um, yeah, it, it, fair play to them. I'm I'm very pleased that justice prevailed in the end. Yes, indeed. Uh, yeah, Robbie Alexander got in touch on Twitter and said. Padovani scored an absolute screamer against Connacht. Yes, he did, and thanks for the share. We did. Absolute um, gas on that lad, by the way. Good Lord. Yes. He yeah, he's talented. Like, a lot more to come from him, I think. Um, who what else was good? Joey Carberry. Oh, but, you know, like, when Sexton was injured mm. and people were like, oh, Joey Carberry could be Ireland's next, you know, good outside half because um, he was very good when he filled in for Sexton when he was injured. Um I think we got he's clearly Ireland's next great fullback because 
yeah, what a fantastic player he is at 15. Yeah. You know, that he's you know, that sort of second receiver at 15 option thing is is becoming more and more of a thing these days. He had that and, thing where he had all the time in the world. Yeah, and, and when you give and you can't player, coach that. Some people yeah, just have when, all the time in the world. And when you give a player that's gifted with that sort of natural time on the and you know creativity and vision, actual time to to get his head up and look at the options in front of him, you know, he and and he's quick as well, you know. He's got a great white boot, he's got lovely hands. That mm. pass from the Thewas try was really good. He's <laughs> How is Eason Athewa scoring tries? He's fully bald. He's he's so he's slow. He's, he's like he's like a clockwork sloth, <laughs> and basically he still manages to play top level rugby. You've got to give it to Athewa. He is fight. He's raging against the dying of the light. Good as man. Far as the hairline goes, <laughs> it and, and in every other way as well. Let's be honest. But yeah, very good play, Carberry. Anything else from you? Uh, yes, good for me. Um, the entire Munster front row because I can't really pick one of them because they were absolutely battered to lose. Like we said that, you know, the only thing that French teams have is a pack these days. Mm. Um, but they absolutely mullered them. They smashed them. Um, well, as long as you have to smashed... not make them move around too much, that's the problem. Yeah. Isn't it? Well, that's the thing. They smashed them in the set piece, but they smashed everything that moved the loose as well with and without the ball. It was an old school, Munster display from that, and it was Dave Kilcoyne, John Ryan, Nars Gannel were uniformly fantastic. Um, that was, um, I'm going to jump back to shit for a minute because I'd forgotten. Fiona K. Hunter got in touch with us and said, I'm guessing Josh will have this covered, but what about this? Andy Howell on Twitter. Uh... And I quote, Blues and Ospreys both have stronger squads than Munster, who have made the Champions Cup semi-final. Is it psychological? I think it's psychological that you think that. Is that the question that he was asking? I think, yeah. Is there something wrong with my brain that I believe that this is the case? The man is comically... I think it's a problem that... It actually illuminates a wider problem with Wales, and that is that we're so insular and it's such a little fucking goldfish bowl that, you know, even professional journalists, allegedly, um, (laughs) get sort of... They think they honestly think that the players that they're watching are as good as the players that play for other teams. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's like, not how it works. Yeah, yeah. You look at that Ospreys team that took the field on on Sunday. Like, so I would say maybe two of those players would get into a Munster twenty-three. Reese Webb. Reese Webb, and given how well. The Munster Reserve Nine, whose name has just escaped me, played on the weekend. You know, I'm not sure he guaranteed start, but he probably would. Mm-hmm. And you could probably throw Justin Tipperick in there as well. Yes. Yes. Um, other than that, I don't think any of those Ospreys players would get in that Munster 23. And mm, yeah, well, they may, right. they'd maybe get in the 23. They certainly wouldn't get in the starting 15. You know. Mm. No, yeah, it's and, true. It's a nonsense. And it's and yeah to and. Yeah, okay, maybe the Ospreys do have a better first-choice 15 on paper when everyone's fit. But we're at the part of the season where nobody is fucking fit because it's post-Six Nations. Everyone's knackered or flogged or injured. You know, it's... Mm. The reason that the Irish teams keep going is that they have the strength in depth because they, you know, they he, he described, like, 
Francis Siley is like a journeyman, like hard worker. And it's like, yeah, he's a journeyman hard worker with fucking test caps. Yes. Like, and test feet. Yeah, and test. And, uh, you know, uh, let's not forget who's played for the fucking All Blacks. It's. Has he played for the All Blacks? I think he has. Um, yeah, I think he has, yeah. But, yeah, that's not a fucking journeyman. You know, he's not a plodder. He might have only played a couple of times for the All Blacks. Yeah, but, but he, he still, still played fucking... for the All Blacks. Still played <laughs> for the All Blacks, exactly. You know, Jacko Tort or whatever his name is, has played for the Springboks. You know, these are players that Munster have in reserve when their yeah. players get injured. When who was that Scott Osprey's who played players... for the All Blacks? Coward. Who almost yeah. is a borderline joke in New Zealand now. And yet, yeah. when you watch him, he was like, yeah, he'd fucking walk into pretty much any team he wants to be in over here. Yeah. And you look yeah. at, you know, they're, they're, uh, what's his face? Uh, Blayendal. Yes. You know. Yeah, okay, he's Munster's first choice 10, but he's, fuck, he's, you know, arguably one of the best players in Europe this season. Well, I, you know, well, they, he's the big difference to them this year, I think. Massively I think, you know, so, I mean, yeah. the fact they found a bit of a front row, like you said, that, that front row mix, mm. and, so, and the, uh, the young winger coming through, Conway, is it? He's not that young, actually. He's just been playing much better, hasn't he? Conway and the like. But generally speaking, I think Blaindor's made a huge difference, really. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so it was a nonsense. I just wanted to mention it. Other good on Twitter, Robert Marcacchili got in touch at Blood and Mud, and he said good for him was Lions versus Sharks saw two drop goals. Oh, my God. He said it brought a tear to my eye. He said, <laughs> I bet he would. That's emotional stuff, that is. That's rare stuff. It comes to something that we It's like spotting so... a snow leopard. <laughs> it comes to something when we're that excited about drop goals. How the game has changed, eh? Any more uh, good from you? Uh, one more good for me, uh, Ross Moriarty. Yes. Just a... Forever. Every week. For, yeah, <laughs> Ross Moriarty forever, but particularly Ross Moriarty playing six because he just yes. destroys the world like a fucking colossus. He is better at six. He, he is really is. Six. He's not... I don't think he's quite big enough to be a... He's not quite big enough to be an eight, and I think at six you can float around a bit more loosely. And you can pick yes, where you want to run. Hit, and I think he can hit yeah. those angles that he hits. And you can just follow the ball around well. a bit more and smash people. That's what I Yeah, so. and that try he scored against Cardiff was great. Also, hat tip for Gloucester's black, red, and gold hooped Euro kit, which is one of the nicest jerseys anyone's got this season. Respect. Last couple of goods off Twitter. The Flather got in touch and said, good for him. And this goes back to what we were saying before it was Owen Farrell. Got the Saracens yeah. backline moving incredibly well, despite the most one-dimensional centre partnership in Europe. That is a good point. When you've I got... think I I think that's a bit harsh because I think Marcelo Bosch is very good. He's I outside Barrett that... though, isn't he? Well, I don't think Brad Barrett's good, but you know, I or think even Marcelo Brad Bosch Barrett is a looks very like fairly player. consummate, doesn't he? In that team, that's what's so amazing about it's it. Remarkable how they make bad players look good, isn't but it? But I suppose it's you've weird. got someone like Farrell, he is going to put... I think the thing is, I think a lot of people still see Farrell as this slightly lumpen, one-dimensional player, especially he's when he's at 10, anymore, and he? he's really not. He really does... He get. He takes the ball to the line, he gets people moving. Yeah, and that's all. Like, when you look... Last 2013, when he went on the Lions tour, that is basically what he was. He was, like, damn bigger. Hmm. He was a game manager, hmm. defensively solid, kicked well... But like in the particularly in the last twelve months, he has totally transformed the attacking aspects of the game in a way that Dan Bigger apparently is completely unwilling or unable to do. You know, he's a ten that can take it to the line, and it's entirely—he's not going to be ever be George Ford. No, 
But he doesn't shit himself when he gets to the no, line. Uh, and he which can is get the back line moving. Yes. And that is entirely off his own back and off him clearly working his fucking bollocks off to get better. And credit to him for that. That probably brings us to the end of this week. Indeed. Thank you very much for your time. Um, we've got obviously the Ben Utley Lions thing next week, so get some questions yes. in if you want, if you're interested in finding out certain stuff. And I think, well, I think there's only one last thing left to say this week, don't you, Josh? I think there's a, there is only one way we can possibly end this. Yes. See you next week, everybody. Take care, everybody. Ta-da. Zero. It gets a bad rep. Like when people say they have zero interest in something. Well, if you're thinking of buying an electric car this year, you'll find this interesting. Because at Nissan, we see the power of zero. Introducing the Nissan Leaf Power of Zero offer. Buy a brand new 100% electric zero emissions Nissan Leaf and get one year's free servicing, a free home charger, the lowest electric finance offer on the market and great savings on running costs. Now that's the power of zero. Find out more at nissan.ie. Sports Social Podcast Network.